Support for the Okie Show Show is provided by the Oklahoma Film and Music Office, hosting a virtual film school June 12th and 13th live on their Facebook page during the 20th annual Dead Center Film Festival. This two-day series of film education courses will feature introductory classes on a number of film topics, such as screenwriting, costuming, set etiquette, and a whole lot more. These classes are free and open to the public. Find out more at okfilmmusic.org. Welcome to the podcast that explores the heartlands entertainment industries. I'm Brian. I'm Nicholas. And today we have a guest co-host, Ali Secrele. Did I say the yeah, last name right? <laughs> Yay! I think, maybe not, I don't know. <laughs> the co-host seat's very crowded right now. That's right. It's, uh, I'm going to make you two, I'm going to find a pool cue, I'm going to break it in half, I'm going to make you fight. Okay, Joker. Yeah. Make it fast. <laughs> you get so, what you deserve. Ali, welcome to the show. You are a local improviser. We do improv together. We do. And talk about it. Yes. And uh, you also do a little bit of stand-up, too. Yes, a little bit of stand-up. Just a, just a teeny tiny bit. She's, stand, she's sitting down right now, though. Yeah. Right. Just so everyone... To sit knows. to stand. <laughs> so thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. So, Nick, how you been? We just got done shooting a sketch yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, fantastic. It was a good crew. It was fun times. It's one of those things where you're like, man, my hobby really takes up like eight hours of my Saturday. Like, this, it, it's stuff we do for fun, you know? Like, yeah. it, and, and, and for the listeners, it is, it's for you guys, but it's for us, and it's fun. <laughs> and just, you know, we put blood, sweat, and tears into it. Brian had blood and sweat and tears. I had blood. Okay, so funny thing. We're not going to give away why I'm covered in blood, but I'm covered in blood at one mm-hmm. point in this sketch. And, and then, right now. Yeah, I was like, still and right in now. Blood. Yeah, I'm still, <laughs> it won't, it won't come off. Mm-hmm. We've marked him. Yeah. Damn spot. <laughs> and uh, so I ordered Uber Eats yesterday to feed the crew. And then the Uber Eats guy, I answered the door covered in blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, oh, oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we're, make, we're making a movie. You should have just left it. I sh- yeah, I shouldn't have even addressed no. it. What? No. What, bro? Give and, me my food. And then I should have called in and been like, hey, you didn't deliver my food. <gasps> you delivered it to the ghost. <laughs> Just give him a story for his life. Yeah. <laughs> this house hasn't ordered food in 10 years. <laughs> this house doesn't get delivery. This is a DiGiorno house. It's like boobery. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. See, that's why, that's why we bring in the stand-up. <laughs> that's right. Oh, goodness. Yeah, it was a... Uh, fun to direct that it wasn't really um serious directing but uh, oh speaking of series directing series. Oh, i see what you did there here's our topic for today series directing you tune into a law and order or a chicago pd or a 911 and the credits come up and you say oh i see those people on screen but then eventually it starts listing off people that you don't see on screen and cru- including Including, including, uh, including uh, the directed by segment, and that's where our guest comes in today. That's right. We are talking about series directing, not film directing. There is a difference. Mm. It always mm. makes me mm. think of like Star Trek. I would hear stories. About Everything makes you think of Star Trek. Every, always in Next Generation, they the, the the you know the crew of the Starship Enterprise would be on the on the you know bridge, mm-hmm. and so they'd wrap that episode, and that director would walk out the door. And then a new director would walk in the door with a brand new script and say, all right, next episode. And then they continue 
you know, just soldiering on through the day. And I feel like since it was Star Trek, it would be like the one leaving would go into the tractor beam, get beamed down. And then in that same moment, the other one would just kind of appear there. Yep. Exactly. With Vulcan ears. As as is the Star Trek directing way. As is the Kirk Goldsberry way. Yes. So Milena Govich, she is uh she started off as an actress. She was in uh Law and Order. My gosh, she was in all sorts of different shows. You want to uh, Finding Carter? <laughs> <laughs> so what is Finding Carter there, Allie? Um it's a it's a it's a show. Okay, um, I watched it when I was in high school, and so it's a little <laughs> bit of like a, a fangirl mm-hmm. moment. Um, but it's like it's like a drama, and like um, everybody should go watch it. Um, uh, yeah, it's real good. It's real good. Again, we're bringing Allie on for the stand-up, and for uh, every once in a while, she will reference a 2000s-era uh, television show. Right. Yeah. Um, just that one, though, because that's <laughs> the one. And she's reached her quota. Right. <laughs> and so, Melania's been on all sorts of... She's been on the screen for all sorts of different shows. And on the stage. And the stage. Mm-hmm. And we'll, and she's going to talk about you know her whole uh, journey from stage to screen uh, to behind the camera. And the time she went to see Journey. That's right. And... Uh, so now she is a director for different TV series, including FBI, Chicago Med, The Inbetween, Chicago Fire, uh, big networks, a lot of a lot of really cool shows that she's been uh, directing. Emphasis on the she has been directing, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But um, let's just dive right into our conversation with Milena Govich. <laughs> Milena Govich, welcome to the Oki Show. Show, how are you, ma'am? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing fantastic. And you're calling in from New York. Uh, where in New York are you? Well, guess what? I'm in Los Angeles right now. <laughs> you're in Los Angeles. Los Angeles, New York. I've heard of that. Yeah, I've heard of that. It's a new, yeah. it's a new town there. It's part of the Brooklyn suburb. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's China, way out there. You have Chinatown <laughs> and then little LA. <laughs> so you're, yeah. you're in LA right now. Um, for the listeners that that may have no references to who you are or what you've gotten to do. What's your initial connection to Oklahoma? Well, I was born and raised in Norman, Oklahoma, and um, I graduated from high school at Norman High, where when there was only one. Um, and I went to college at UCO in Edmond. And uh, uh, two weeks after I graduated, I promptly bought a one-way ticket to New York City. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's that's confidence. Yeah. <laughs> That way you're, you're like, you're trapped. You have to, you have to go all in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But my, but I love coming back to visit Oklahoma. It's great. My mom still lives in the house I grew up in. Um, my brother, Matt Govich is uh, back in Oklahoma now and he has, um, a, a great performing career locally. And he also teaches, uh, voice at UCO. Um, so yeah. I, I come from a musical family that's still very involved in, in Oklahoma, and uh, I, I love to come back and visit. Oh, that's awesome. Maybe some OU games and whatnot? Oh, yeah. Well, the, <laughs> my house is only is less than a mile from the stadium, so you don't even have to go oh. to the game. You can just hear it on Saturday. Oh, man, cool. yeah. <laughs> You're, yeah. You will watch the game. You will be Whether you like it or not, you mm-hmm. are part of this. <laughs> So now nowadays you're doing a lot more directing, but you initially started off as acting, correct? That's right. And you are you're you're still pursuing acting as well, right? Um, not so much. I I really made a distinct career shift when I decided that I wanted to direct professionally, and um, it it was it was a it was a choice 
to honestly really rebrand myself because there's, there's, um, you know, there's value in having people know who you are and they know you in a specific way and they really like you in this one little box that you work in. But when you want to jump to a different box, sometimes there's some upfront legwork that you have to do to get people to even envision you in that other box. Right. So I, I, I actually fired my whole acting team, my agents, managers about three years ago. And at that point I, um, went into the American Film Institute, which is um, one of the, probably the best film school in the country. It's, it's here in LA and it's postgraduate work. And um, I did the directing workshop for women, which is a year and a half long. And once I had completed that program, I was certain that this was my way forward. And I haven't really looked back. That's awesome. I do still act when people ask me to, because I still love acting and I enjoy performing very much. I'll like, I'll sing for benefits or things like that. Or um, I have managed to do a feature every year as an actor since I started directing. And that's really, you know, friends and colleagues that call me up and say, Hey, would you, we're doing a feature. Would you come do this little part for a few days? And I really do enjoy doing that. And when people ask me to act, I generally say yes. <laughs> as long <laughs> as I awesome. can fit it in my schedule. Yeah. That's really cool. So what was your, what was the journey like you know, like kind of take us back to that, you know, you start off on the flight, the one-way ticket flight to New York and, you know, you're, you're diving into an acting career and now fast forward so many years, now you're directing for shows like Chicago Med and FBI and you're in LA and you, and you have a successful directing career that's just getting more and more, you know, budding. It's been really cool to watch mm -hmm. from, from over here and be like, I know her. No, thanks. But what's that journey been like? I kind of walk us through that process. Well, it's been thrilling and terrifying and <laughs> exhilarating and <laughs> crushing. It's, it's all the things. I mean, anytime you embark on um, a creative career, let's say, it's going to be full of very high highs and very low lows. Um, I think anybody that's ever tried to make their living performing or creating their own work would, would agree with that. Um, in, in a nutshell, I'll try to give you the quick rundown of the last uh, 23 years. <laughs> yeah, brief summation, um, 60 seconds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. ready, set, go. So I, I got off the plane in New York and I started auditioning for musical theater because that's really what I wanted to do. That's why I moved to New York. Um, I, I mentioned I come from a musical family, so I sing and I have a classical ballet background. I also play the violin and the piano. Uh, I did not get in trouble in high school because I was too busy doing all these things. Um, so I, I was very fortunate that there was a production of Cabaret at Studio 54 directed by Sam Mendes and Rob Marshall. Oh, wow. And there was no, um, there was no orchestra. The actors in the show had to sing, dance, and act, but also play an instrument to the level of playing the Broadway score eight times a week because you also had to be the orchestra. Oh, so cool. I showed up with, you know, my opera degree, my violin minor, and my ballet minor. <laughs> and they were like, you're in. So, <laughs> so you're like, just one of those gross people who's super talented in a whole bunch of different yeah. things. Uh, disgusting. It's super disgusting. Save, save, <laughs> save some of the skills for the rest of us. I know. <laughs> 
I know. Oh, I start to run all this down, and I just sound like a vampire. Like, well, how, long, how long have you been alive? Um, so anyway, uh, I that was my first Broadway show, and I did that for like a year and a half. And I ended up taking over. I ended up understudying the lead role, and eventually taking over the lead role of the show. So that that all that all happened very organically, and that led to other Broadway shows. So the, the whole first part of my career was was music, singing and dancing and, and acting as well. And then I, uh, while I was in New York, I started auditioning for film and television as well. And that was another big risk that I took in my career because people, the casting directors there and producers in New York, they really see musical theater as separate from like straight acting. Oh, and I was always confused. I'm like, what? Well, how does my ability to play all these instruments and sing and dance preclude my ability to act on camera. I don't understand. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. Yeah. So I, I, um, again, I started turning down some Broadway shows because I really wanted to act on camera and I put myself into training in New York and eventually booked, um, my first series regular acting job in, out of New York. And I, I acted on shows, well, my first show was Rescue Me with Dennis Leary. Oh, which was about yeah. After 9-11. Yeah, so I did two seasons of that show, and then um, I did a lawyer show called Conviction, and then um, after that I, I got offered Law & Order, and I was the mm-hmm. only female detective on the original Law & Order series. Oh, that's is, excellent. Wow. Yeah, that's my Jeopardy question, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Law & Order. <laughs> And so then I proceeded to work in television for the last dozen years or so. And um, I had a a really nice career and got to do some really interesting things. But I had reached another point where I was looking for the next challenge. And that's when I decided that um, it was time to start really pursuing directing. It's something I'd always wanted to do kind of in the back of my mind, but I always had a very busy career. And so I just never took the time and made the effort to pursue it. But at this um, at this juncture, I was like, I'm I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I had yeah. I was on set realizing that I spent half of my energy trying to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> Maybe it's time to stand up and uh, put your hand in the ring. So that's when I started shadowing directors um, on on the show that I was on, and I shadowed a, a, probably twelve or thirteen directors there. And wow. then after that is when I came back to Oklahoma to make my first short film, which Brian so graciously helped me out with excellent sound work, I have to say. (laughs) And that's where we Um, met. Yeah, that's where we met. We met uh, shooting in my mom's house. God bless her. We took over the whole block, um, shot in one, four houses all on the block I grew up on and um, made a short film called Temporary that I'm still very proud of. And... um, Got to screen it at the Dead Center Film Festival a couple years ago, which was just thrilling. And yeah, so it comes full circle back to Oklahoma. Ah, that's so cool. That's awesome. And then uh, when did you um, feel fully like you reached it kind of as a director? Was there any kind of like imposter syndrome for a while of like, oh, I'm a director and I've done this stuff. Was there a certain project that you worked on that you were like, yes, okay, director now? Oh, 
God, I hope to ever get there someday. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, I think we all have the imposter syndrome. Well, frankly, because there's so much to learn. Mm -hmm. There's so, so much to continue learning. And, you know, I've, I'm fortunate that I've had some director mentors who are incredible people, you know, some that are like in their seventies that still feel that way. They're still learning and growing. And I think that's the key to success in anything. I I think as soon as you feel like, Oh, I have all the answers and I've arrived and I'm super confident. That's when you start making mistakes. And that's when you're, you kind of become closed off to the inspiration and the creativity around you that you can learn from. So um, I'm a perpetual student, as you can tell by all these different I love that. <laughs> though. I, I yeah, attempting. I think that's so great. Yeah, and then then you're going to learn the accordion, and then you know, <laughs> yeah, just right. some be a painter as well. Just throw all that in there. Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> so I'm always curious. You know, uh, I feel like we we are familiar with the track of becoming a film director. Of you know, you make your short films, and then you get those short films accepted into a film festival. And then those connections lead to your first feature and all that kind of stuff. But working as a director on TV series feels like a slightly different animal because I always think back of like, it seems like the workflow is slightly different. You're working with a cast that's been directed by several other people. What's that like being a series director and stepping into the director's seat? Yeah, it is. um, It is different from directing a feature. Uh, because yes, you are coming onto an existing show where you know the cast has already been chosen, the sets are already built, um, major storylines have already been established. So um, in TV, they call them guest directors because you're coming in as a guest on the show to direct one episode at a time. I mean, you might return for multiple episodes, but generally you're doing one episode at a time, and. It is your job as a guest television director to come in and execute the show in the style and the tone in which it has been established, but to also bring your own unique point of view to the interpretation of the material. But you're interpreting the material within an existing structure. So you can't just come in and, you know, say we're doing like, a network procedural show and all of a sudden you're going to do all this like handheld camera work and we're going to like <laughs> do two minutes of watching the sunrise and mm-hmm. it's like yeah. that's that's not the show so you have to know uh you know what show you're coming on to whereas in a feature you know you as the director are making all those choices for yourself so it can it's a feature often is a much more personal project the director does have much more influence um and an and indie feature, often the director has the, the most amount of influence or the most amount of control. Once you get into studios and all of that, then, you know, God knows. <laughs> <laughs> you got all sorts of cooks in the kitchen. You got, you, yeah, yeah. You got a whole you got a whole theater full of executives yeah, giving you oh, feedback and notes and everything. Um, but um, but get, getting the jobs are it's not that different. I mean, you deal you do still need to put forth your work samples and the two short. Uh, I've I've directed a bunch of short films, but there's two primary ones that I use as my work samples, and I still use those um, to show to television executives to consider me for their shows. Of course, now I've directed a number of series, so 
the episode of television becomes more of my calling card for the right. short films. But depending on the, the kind of uh, uh, work I'm looking to book, you know, sometimes the short films are more what they want to see. So, you know, just, just because you've started an independent film and doing shorts and things like that, it doesn't, it doesn't preclude you from going in the television direction. It's still, they still want to see you, your work, your point of view, your knowledge of, of camera and acting and performance. Um, and you know, the shorts are a great way to show that. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Now, what kind of advice, you know, cause like we were just, you were just touching on, um, you know, you're as a series director, you're stepping into an already established universe and you're dealing with an already established look and all that kind of stuff. What advice would you give kind of up and coming directors that are, are wanting to do this, that uh, it seems like kind of the, the thing that you always hear amongst uh, beginning directors is like, I have my vision and I, you know, I want to do it my way. I don't know, Nick, would, would you agree with that? I was about to say, are you quoting me? <laughs> <laughs> it's my vision. It's my, that, that's, that's what I do every time I say hi to Brian. It's just yeah. like, Brian, where's my vision? Or yeah. just whatever. Uh, hello, Nick. <laughs> but yeah, I was going to uh, ask, uh, or actually, you know, he already asked the question. So yeah. Let's, uh, what advice but would you give? But it's his vision, so it's his question. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> this is how I envision asking the question, very awkwardly and everything like that. <laughs> well, I would say um, it, whether it's your own project or you're coming on to someone else's project to be a guest director, you have to know the material well, mm-hmm. and you have to have a take on the material. Um, the execution is going to be a little different, but if you are look, if you're coming from a film background where you're used to having all the control, even in that scenario, you still have collaborators, mm-hmm. right? You're still working collaboratively with your actors, with your DP, with your casting director. You know, you're still getting input from everyone. Hopefully, I think the best directors <laughs> do that, and mm-hmm. and you're just doing that to a different degree in television. Um, you you need to listen to your collaborators. There's uh, there's going to be certainly things that have, uh, they, they are going to be able to tell you like the producers on the show or, you know, maybe your DP are going to say, be able to tell you, well, this has worked in the past. This stuff has not worked in the past. So let's, let's find the happy medium. So, you know, again, it's, they're both collaborations. You're just, uh, collaborating in television with, with more decisions already made up front. There's still plenty of room for directors to interpret and to bring their own vision to it. Um, but it's kind of like if you use a musical analogy, you know, you're, you're going to, if, if the, the song structure is a certain way, you know, it's like A, B, A, B, C, A, B, that's yeah. the structure of it. So you're going to write a song that has, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus. Right. Right. Um, so you're not going to come in and say all of a sudden, oh, it's going to be a symphony. And now it's going to be it's like, no, <laughs> different time signature <laughs> and key and reggae. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's a lot. It's a much more kind of collaborative. I mean, film on its face is collaborative in nature, but definitely you're kind of it, you're it's almost like a relay kind of thing. Mm hmm. Taking the baton yeah, from the last person um, and in it over. John Wells, the executive producer and like of ER and you know all these giant shows, big big deal guy. Um, here's a quote that he says when he tells his guest directors to come in. He said, "I want an episode of ER 
but better. Ha. Oh, that's, that's good. He, nice, cool. <laughs> that's what he wants from his directors. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So here's a here's a question about the directors guild. How important mm-hmm. when you're an up and coming director? How important is it to get involved into the directors guild when it comes to series directing? Well, the guild is not involved in booking work. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some unions that are like, um, you know, you could you show up there and there's job boards and people are calling in looking for people to hire, and and you get work through a union. Um, this is a guild, which is different technically because we are not procuring work through the guild that we procure work through our agents and managers or through our own personal connection. Mm. However, the guild is an incredible resource and you don't have to be a member to take advantage. In fact, the director's guild of America, um, their website has tons of information and resources on it. There's um, a YouTube channel for the director's guild of America where they, um, post filmed interviews of filmmakers that happened at the DGA. And like, I literally just watched one yesterday while I was doing some work. Um, Lesalinka Glatter, uh, is an incredible director and someone I truly aspire to be. Mm-hmm. She did a talk on the craft of the director back in November. I couldn't see there because it happened in LA and I was in New York at the time, but they filmed it. It's a two hour interview of her just on YouTube that you can watch. And that's, that's through the director's guild. So, and then once you um, do become a member, then the, there's great support for you as a filmmaker within the constructs of Hollywood. And you know, that's, we get our health insurance through there and pension and and things like that. So that's awesome. And they, they protect um, director's creative rights as well, which is very important. Um, Very involved in that. So yeah, it's a, I, I feel very lucky to be part of it. Yeah. That's really cool. Now you mentioned that you also kind of uh, were able to take advantage of some of the programs that are available for young up and coming uh, film directors. Could you kind of touch on some of the, the different programs that there are available specifically for uh, up and coming film, female directors and people of color. And, you know, there's a lot of outreach mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. Fortunately, there's much more awareness that um, steps need to be taken to, um, promote uh, diverse directors. Unfortunately, women qualify as diversity, which I think is absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> that a gender that's more than half the population is considered yeah. uh, diversity. It's, right. It's tragic. But um, I, I think it is super important, and it's great that in the last um, five to ten years, there's been much more awareness that this is an issue. And many of the studios have started uh, diversity programs. And there's, I participated in the Sony program a couple of years ago, and there's one at C- CBS, there's one at Warner Brothers, there's one at ABC. NBC has a program called Female Forward. Oh, there's cool. a lot of them. I mean, I, I couldn't really sit here and rattle off all of them, but... Um, they are very competitive to get into. Right. They're extremely competitive. You know, you're going to. Um, right. So that kind of touches you, on you for those that are out. concerned about like quality versus quantity of people. I, I feel like that's kind of like the counter argument of like, why can't we just get the best people as opposed to, you know, checking off diversity marks? Like, well, they are getting the best people. Yeah. And, and listen, we're all 
striving for a meritocracy, right? right? And the diversity movement as um, actually Paris Barclay, the former president of the DGA, he said he has made it an effort to call this inclusion, right? Because it's not that we want certain people instead of other people. It's not really that what we want is an opportunity, an equal opportunity for everyone to throw their hat in their ring. And, but if the system is inherently biased, we have to adjust the system before we can ever get to that. Yeah. Right. So, so that's really what these diversity programs are doing. And they're, they're wonderful because they, they put um, underrepresented directors on the radar of Hollywood. Yeah. And there's, there's an advantage to having third party validation. Right. I, I have, I know people in this business cause I worked as an actor for 20 years. So, I could write an email to somebody and say, Hey, you know, I want to direct and here's my short films. And I promise they're really great. And I promise I'd be an awesome director. <laughs> promise. Comes, no fingers it crossed. Very, <laughs> <laughs> it's very different when the American film Institute publishes in deadline out of, you know, three, 400 applications. We've chosen eight filmmakers to be in our program this year. Right. And it's these people Yeah. that speaks it speaks volumes more than me just trying to bang my own drum. So, so they're very useful in that way as well. Yeah. That's really, really cool. And real, I mean, and we've also seen kind of uh, an adjustment uh, within the industry since the beginning of the me too movement, as far as like female representation and all that kind of stuff. Can you touch on a little bit about how, what you've observed as far as change goes within the industry since the me too movement and how it's kind of progressed us in the right direction? (laughs) Mm hmm. Yeah, it's a very, very important topic. Um, again, change doesn't occur without first making people aware that there's a problem. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's it's taken this long and taken some very loud and persistent voices to even get the ball rolling. Yeah. And I'm so glad that it has happened. And it's far, far overdue. I also have to say, personally, I am incredibly lucky to have come to directing at this time because there are women before me that have been screaming this for decades. Yeah, for sure. And, and saying this is a problem, um, with opportunity within the business, also with inappropriate behavior, Mm -hmm. all of these things. And, you know, as, as far as like career opportunity, I know that I have had opportunities now that, 10 years ago would never have happened for me. Oh, that's great. Were it that's not excellent. for the women before me. The, and, and, you know, some of those women have since moved on and they're not even pursuing directing anymore because it was so hard to get in the door yeah. to get taken seriously to get considered. So I'm incredibly fortunate and I pay homage to the women that came before me ah, as far yeah, as workplace great. behavior and the me too stuff. I have, definitely notice a marked difference on set and it's wonderful. And it's not that we all need to tiptoe around. It's just like behave with professional golden rule (laughs) of God. Be a good human. (laughs) So it's, it's really, we're all just trying to get back to the, the way our grandmothers would have wanted us to live our lives. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I, it's not a lot to ask for people to behave with common decency and respect and, um, and to not be condescending or, yep. 
and so it shouldn't it shouldn't be a hard thing. But I've I've had conversations with men in the business who are older than I am and maybe from a different generation who are shocked that these things were happening because they just didn't see it. And how would you see it if you wouldn't know to look at it? How would you see it if you are a kind and decent, genuine man who would never imagine behaving in these ways? Mm -hmm. You know, that really is true. Like, if you don't surround yourself with assholes, you're probably not going to see the assholes. (laughs) I mean, that is an interesting point. Yeah, and it's. but the other thing is when people do speak up, not just women, anyone speaks up and says to a manager or a superior, says, you know, hey, there's an issue over here. If the superior says, well, I didn't see anything, mm, mm-hmm. then what are you supposed to do? Yeah. Uh, well, all right. Well, I sub- guess I'll go. <laughs> I'll just go over yeah, here and screw and myself. Then, yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, and then you get labeled as difficult or if you're, I mean, there's all kinds of horrible labels, but then people stop speaking up right. because they're not listened to. They're not validated. And in fact, they're sometimes penalized. Right. Ugh. Even if the thing they were speaking up about was completely legit. So getting our managers, our producers, our executives to start actually listening and investigating the issues is a huge step forward. Yeah. And, and hopefully we're closer to addressing them and hopefully eventually negating them altogether. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully. So what's the end game for you since, you know, you have this really cool directing career ahead of you. What's the end game? Boy, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you <laughs> can travel back in time. And- <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, if you'd asked the girl on the on the plane with the one way ticket to New York what the end game was, she would have said to be on Broadway. <laughs> you know, yeah. she would have sung it so, for us. Uh, yeah. So you know that's that's one thing I've learned in my life is it's that I don't have an end game. I just am attracted to challenges and I'm attracted to ways that I can continue learning and discovering more about who I am as a person and as an artist. And so this is the track I'm on for the time being until I embark on my fifth career. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but, you know, for the, for the more near future, I want to continue directing television. Um, I'd like to start directing some premium shows uh, or some streaming shows. Uh, I also do want to direct my first feature film. I oh, yeah. don't have mm-hmm. the exact project. Uh, I'm, I'm surveying the marketplace right now for scripts and possibly developing a script on my own. Nice. Uh, Another big goal would be to eventually direct a pilot of a television show, which is closer to directing a feature film. You do have much more creative input on, yeah. say, the casting and the sets and the tone and the style of the show. Um, and then a, a big goal would be to co-produce with my husband, David Cornu, who's um, an incredible writer. And he and I would like to eventually co-show run a uh, television Ooh, series where that would he be is cool. the, awesome yeah where he oversees the writing and i oversee the set so power couple those are some big those are some big goals yeah that sounds awesome well melena thank you so much for for uh giving us some of your time and just talking about all this this is so it's just so cool oh, it's also sure. great to catch up with you yeah you too and congrats on the podcast oh thank you <laughs> And it was uh, great meeting you over the phone, over technology. It, uh, it was just fantastic. 
Yeah, I really Great. enjoyed listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> I was here, I promise. I, I know. Well, I, I talked fast and furiously here, so yeah. we didn't get it all. <laughs> well, and we're kind of running against the clock, but real quick, uh, before we let you go, um, plug yourself. Where can we find you online? Where can we see some of the things that you've, that you've done? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm on the socials. Milena Govich is my handle on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. That's M-I-L-E-N-A-G-O-V-I-C-H. Um, and I post uh there when I'm have when I'm directing when I have films at festivals when I have TV shows that are airing, um, I also post behind the scenes stuff from my directing jobs and some various acting things. So, yeah, follow me there. That's that's really the best way to to be in touch. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you. We appreciate you. <laughs> Marlow House is a professional hair and makeup services company based in Oklahoma City that specializes in special events and film production. So, if you've got like a wedding or a prom or a bob mitzvah, Marlow House will make you look like a freaking princess. Even if you've got a cool themed party and you want to stand out in the crowd, one of Marlow House's many stylists can give you a look that's unique, stylish, and make people go, Oh, dang! Marlow House's client coordinator will assess client needs then sign the best stylist for the job, complete with invoicing and follow-up feedback. Owner and makeup artist Tony Marlowe cares about giving every client in movie production the highest quality and professionalism that a hair and makeup department can offer. So, if you need a stylist for your event or a makeup artist for your film, hit up Marlowe House at their website, marlowhouse.com. That's M-A-R-L-O-H-A-U-S.com. Grandson, I'd like to read you a book. A book? That's right. When I was your age, television was called books. And this is a very special book. A book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today I'm going to read it to you. Now, chapter one. Altgate is a commercial insurance broker with film and entertainment expertise, headquartered in Oklahoma. Uh, uh, Grandpa? At Altgate, they're experts in film and entertainment insurance. Like one time we were shooting down in a valley and a monsoon came out of nowhere. Within minutes, the whole set and all of our equipment was underwater. But guess what? You had production insurance? We had production insurance. Another time we were shooting in a historic building and a grip sent a sea stand sailing right through the priceless painting. Boom! Oh, jeez. Did you have... You bet your small coffee keister we had production insurance. Are you are you reading that book? Aldgate Insurance has the same access to insurance as a broker from New York or L.A., but they're in Oklahoma, you see. That means you get the Oklahoma film rebate and local people available anytime you need them. But, but I have influenza. Check them out online at oklahoma-film.com or call them at 918-574-4555. They place annual policies for producers of all types, post-production E&O, and specific film project policies for budgets of all sizes. And they work with musicians, too. Place an insurance for gigs and events of all types. Can they get annual policies for production companies as well as one-off insurance for a single production? Sure as shooting. No matter what your budget, whether it's a five grand budget or a $15 million budget, Altgate Insurance can help you. And they can also find you coverage for post-production errors and omissions. And you're going to need it in order to get your film distributed. 
Gra Grandpa? Yeah, kid? I kind of feel like we should call Aldgate at 918-574-4555 for our movie's production insurance. That's 918-574-4555. You're a smart kid, you know that. Oh, look at that. <laughs> and they all lived happily ever after. The end. Hey, hey, Grandpa? Yeah, kid? That, that was a weird book. Actually, it kind of felt more like a podcast mid-roll ad. But maybe two weeks from now you can read it to me again. As you wish. So Malena is pretty much the coolest person ever. Yes. Yeah. Like, again, I'm just flabbergasted that she's like, let me go out there with my hopes and dreams. And I was expecting, you know, like an uplifting story of struggle. And she was like, <laughs> yeah, the first audition I did, I started working with Sam Mendes. <laughs> right. And, and yeah. it's like amazing. And it's like, that's incredible. That's yeah. so cool. Yes. And like the one way flight, like... I just, right? I want to get takes, a one-way flight and just have a great life. <laughs> yeah, that takes some gonads, man. Where is your gonads, Allie? Definitely not on a one-way flight. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole time when we were talking to Milena, uh, um, Nick's beautiful bouncing bride was sitting off to the side, and we couldn't help but think that, oh, my God, we're talking to Danielle right now. <laughs> Danielle is so we also had to, yeah. a grossly talented person who can, like, sing and perform, play with musical instruments and act and do all this stuff. So as yeah. she was listening, she she just kind of had a look of, like, oh, yeah, like, I do that, too. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> oh, so welcome to the show, Danielle Zabo. Well, hello there. Our other talented person, <laughs> which we're going to have you on the show actually for reals as a guest guest. Uh, with one of your bands. One of these days, one yes. Of your bands. One of the bands, yeah. yeah she's got a few <laughs> floating around yeah. out there. So, uh, so what do you guys think? As you were, as we were talking to uh, the amazing Milena Govich, what were some of the thoughts going through your head? Man, I was so inspired. It was really, really cool to hear her. Um, <laughs> I joked and said that. She is me if I didn't meet Nicholas. <laughs> Sorry. It's either a burn or it's, it's a big burn. It's a big burn. Stop withholding her from her dreams. I kept, I kept looking over and she was just glaring at me and giving me the stink eye like, over and over again. I'm still in Oklahoma because this son uh. of a <laughs> but yeah, I did the whole, I got my degree in music theater and I play violin and I sing and I dance and... My dream was to buy a one-way plane ticket to New York and uh, junior year, I met my husband and that's not why I like having a paycheck every month, but, um, <laughs> but then she did it. She moved there and because be she played the violin, yeah. <laughs> she was able to do that, which is like why I kept playing the violin and I got my master's in it. So it's just so cool to hear someone with a lot of the same given circumstances, just go and do it and be successful and um, find work because she yeah. had all the, the talents that she needed. And, and I just am so inspired to see someone doing that. And yeah. it's scary. So, I, I chickened out. So, so we, cut, <laughs> so we cut to an ad agency office in uh, downtown New York. <clears throat> okay, Denise, thanks for coming in. I'm uh, looking at your, uh, lengthy uh, resume here. My my gosh, this is like fifteen pages. Yeah, it's you know whenever we ask for a resume, we don't expect a, a novel, but oh, no, we'll take it. 
I'm trying to be humble here. I could have put like 45 more pages in, but I just. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Because usually, you know, we get uh, two, uh, a cover letter oh, and really? kind of uh, tips yeah. and tricks and uh, everything. I really thought for sure people would have like 18 pages at least. Um, no, generally not. But the, uh, the nine copies are also somewhat excessive, but you know, it's, yeah, it's okay. There's really just two of us. Um, we appreciate the backups. But, Was the uh, laminate like too much? No, 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 no. This but, is... but the drawing was kind of graphic. Oh, sorry. I knew the nudes probably weren't the best. I mean, it is one of your special skills. Um, one of your many, many special many skills. A whole page here. dedicated to special skills. Oh, jeez. Um, oh, pancaking. I, I don't even know what that is. I guess we'll jump in. Yeah, let's jump in right there. What? Uh, why do you think pancaking would help out around the office? Oh, when, okay. When you when you make a pancake and you just put it on a plate, that's not pancaking. Oh, okay. See. Are we going to list things that it is not first? Yes. Okay. It is It is not pancaking when you flip the pancake and then put it in your mouth. That is not pancaking. I would have assumed it was. No. It, and, and it is not pancaking when you serve a pancake to somebody else. Like, you have to pancake, you know? Okay. Five follow- minutes into this interview and I'm already learning things. Okay. Right. Follow-up question. Uh, what is pancaking? What is pancaking? Yes. It is throwing a pancake on a wall and um, it is art. That's, oh. that, I did not see that coming. I did not I see could, that coming either, but you know what? Absolutely applicable to the job. I can see. I feel Thank like, you. I agree. I feel like if I walked down to the Metropolitan uh, Museum of Art and I saw a pancake on the wall, I would, I would probably feel something. Yes. Now, how do you feel like your special skills are going to contribute to the job that you're interviewing for today? Well, considering this job is to, to run the office and to one day take over your all's jobs. Oh. I think that all my well, qualifications. I didn't find that part on the form. Oh, I, ch- I did check it on there. Oh, did, yeah. oh you, you know. To, yeah, page. Uh, it's in the, yes. appe- it's yeah, in the it appendix is. here. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, I, I, missed, I missed the footnote. It's okay. Um, so when I do take over your job, it'll, that'll. Okay. And I'm noticing. Applies. And is this your current address? It says here. The White a House. La- a la- a la- White House. Yes. The, the White oh. House. Okay. Wow. Um, so are you planning on. Um, commuting for every day to work? Are you planning on moving here? I mean, you, this is Washington State. I mean, that is quite the commute. Yes. Yeah. yeah um, this is the Washington State ad agency here in New York City. That's what we're called, Washington State. That's right. Yeah. Just to confirm. People get lost yeah. trying to find the office all the time. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. It's a long walk for sure, but like, I mean. Oh, you walked all the way here? I did. That's, oh. a, that's also on um, talent number 17. Oh. Uh, that, that explains the, the drawings of these legs. Yeah. Yes. These are your legs. They are. I see. Um, they're very, um, very muscular. muscular. Right. Not, very, to, very, not to comment on very, your no, legs no, or no, anything. Toned. Very we, toned. Yes, yes, no, yes. But, you know, we, we, we appreciate health. So... Let's let's go through like a, you know a typical uh, scenario that may come up in the office. Um, we have a uh, we have many business meetings. Um, so uh, let's say there's a business meeting going to mm-hmm. take place at nine yes. o'clock. Uh, How would you prepare the conference room for us since you're managing the office? Yes, PM by the way, PM PM. Oh. We do all of our business at night here. Oh, cool. First, I would set up. Oh, I would take off um, skill number nineteen. Mm, yeah. Um, because that would not. That would not apply here. That that dancing on tables is not for the business meeting. Uh, that um, is for after. Yeah, after yes, after press. Um, and then I would I would go into the into the business room, as it is called. We're going to need to work on your terminology of everything. That, but that uh, is not that is one of my only not skills. I, 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 talking. I see. Oh, you're I right. Flip oh. Through these pages, I don't flip, see anything flip, about flip, 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 naming flip. terminology. <gasps> uh. 
I'll get it one day. It's, it's, I'm working. We on all it. need to work on something. You no, know, that is my only thing I need to work on. The day we stop learning is the day we stop. die. You know what? But to be fair, when you're the smartest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. Yes. I mean, literally, you're in the wrong room. Oh, is this not? Is this not? Is this not this, the interview for the? Well, I mean. You caught us while we were sitting on the John, but yeah, this is yeah, this is awkward. Yeah, but I figured usually, it would be a good time. Usually, we don't do interviews on the toilet. Um, but uh, what I'm what I'm glad about, you know, Ted, what I'm glad about being here at Washington State Ad Agency here in New York, in is New York I'm, City, yes, in New York City, is I'm just glad that we have innovated this bathroom to include a, a one stall and multiple toilets in it. That's true. It's true. Three, a three toilet stall. Three toilet stall. Right. We're all sitting here, pants around our ankles. Again, to- toned legs. One of us has toned legs. That's right. Bit traffic jammed, but... Bit traffic jammed. It's okay. Yeah. It, it makes for good introductions, when you know, for employment. So far... Are you guys using the stall? Yes, yes. Jim, sorry. Um, I got you scheduled in the stall for four. Uh, how right. about you uh, come back in a little bit? Ah, but yes, back to the question about how you would make this business meeting at 9 p.m. work. Yes. Oh, sorry. Uh, we, yeah. I, I would go into the business room. Yes. And um, I would take skill number 25. Ah, yes. Which if you flip to that page. Ah, mm-hmm. Yes. yes flip um, to the pages. Charcoal painting. Yes, exactly. I would paint the room in a scenery to make it look like bedtime. Get everybody comfortable. Everybody just um, really ready for to relax their minds. Mm, and then yes. when they come in, you can kind of manipulate them. Ah, I see. Ah, and I, I see mind control skill number 35. That one's my favorite skill. Ah. <laughs> that's how you... That's mind how control you. manipulation. Are you mind controlling me right now? There's a reason we're all on the toilet. You know, I didn't even need to go to the bathroom whenever we started this interview. My God, she's good. Exactly. Good. You know what? I got a good feeling about this. I do too, but I'm I'm pretty sure that just means I'm done. <laughs> and seat. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that took a weird turn. <laughs> Allie, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Gotta go to my business room. <laughs> <laughs> the business room for your business meeting. Gotta go take care of some business. You gotta do your business. <gasps> oh, that makes so much sense now. The business room is literally. Jeez. That's well, my hand. Allie, for those that are uh, interested in seeing you perform, where can we find you online? Um, Anywhere? No. <laughs> All the places. Jeez, everywhere. everywhere. Um, I, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, and come to see shows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause At OKCI. Yeah. Fridays and Saturdays. Leave your house. Leave your domicile. Get in your car or on your bike or on your scooter. Muscular legs. Yeah, muscular legs. Yeah, get on down to where do you where do you perform usually? OKCI. OKCI. That's right. You just said it. (laughs) (laughs) I've already tuned out. (laughs) Well, thanks for coming and being a guest co-host on the show. Thanks, Danielle Zabel, for jumping on the mic and joining us. Uh, This co-host chair is very crowded. It's getting real full. Real full full over here. Bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) We are sitting on top of each other. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's lush. I was just thinking if human caterpillar was just a was just a toilet. Human centipede? <laughs> or wait. Did I say human caterpillar? <laughs> I was like, I don't want to say it. I just don't let it go. <laughs> human caterpillar. And on that note, if you like what you've heard and you'd like to be a part of it yourself, go to patreon.com slash Show and become a patron today. Otherwise, check us out on okishoshow.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we'll see you guys in the next two weeks.
The Oki Show Show is a mostly harmless media podcast recorded at Tower Studios in Oklahoma City. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If you're a business or industry professional that would like to advertise on the podcast, email info at okishowshow.com. Rates starting as low as $25.